You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Newsflash! Academy stupid! Scientific proof uh, given! Oh boy, um... I, I know I'm coming in hard on that, but man, I got a lot of thoughts. And you know what? We have so much to say right now because this is an emergency broadcast special episode of Eye on the Prize. The Academy made a big announcement today, and... Oh, I got some thoughts. I got many thoughts. And unfortunately, most of my other co-hosts couldn't make it today. Shaq's still gallivanting in Texas. Uh, he's having a great time. Hey buddy, hope you're doing well. Uh, and Ian and everyone else is doing stuff, but I got two newcomers here. Uh, first of all is a really cool guy. I just recorded with him this week on the review for three, and I, I seem this, this seems to be my mantra for Screener Squad, but I am sorry. Bradley Martin, how you doing, man? Very good. Happy to be a part of this monumentous Academy Award rule shakeup of doom. Yeah, this is, um... <laughs> this will be a, quite a shakeup. It's already causing quite a fervor across the internet. Um, but yeah, you're doing well. And then also here, a guy who I've previously collaborated with as well, but it's been so long since we talked to each other, uh, to each other Davey Peppers. Davey, how you doing, man? I am good, and I am so ready to say so many horrible things about my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. I mean, and you know what? Okay, let me just say this disclaimer again. I know there's going to be some people listening like, man, you guys are getting bent out of shape out of no- over nothing. I get it. The Oscars are not the end-all, be-all for everything good in movies. I am totally accepting that, you know, because, uh, yeah, Oscars, it is a political thing. It is a popularity contest. It is, uh, you know, it, it is a thing that is made to glorify and pat Hollywood on the back. However, I also do see there's some virtue to the system where it's like, yeah, just because it is such a huge vanity project for some people doesn't mean it isn't good to boost some profile of great movies, you know? When you think about some of the greatest movies ever made in Oscar history, some of the best picture winners that we see are like Lawrence of Arabia, really great movie. The third Lord of the Rings movie, really great movie. Some movies that actually deserve the recognition of being said, yeah, of all the movies this year, this is one of, you know, if not the best, then one of the best movies that came out that year. And, you know, I learned so much about movies from the Oscars. Now, I feel, though, the problem is, it's so this is... This is the eternal debate that we're dealing with with this new um, popularity ruling that's coming out here because people always criticize the Oscars that they don't vote for the movies that they like. And by what they mean they like, usually people don't like arty films. You know, I mean, you guys, I know you guys probably offhand will do this, but who out of your friend group would go and watch like a Terrence Malick movie or a Barry Jenkins movie or a big arty film just on a whim just because they want to? I have people that have that still to this day make fun of me because I made them watch The Tree of Life seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that too with some friends, and uh, thankfully we were all in the right mindset to watch it, or you know, seeing eye to eye. But there was that point we all kind of looked at each other, just like, I'm not quite sure what I just watched. I did like it. I just. I need to process it for a bit. But, you know, as a thing... Like, at, at least they liked it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to go out of your way to find people who really are in tune to watching art films. And I get that. You know, it's not easy to try and convince people to that. But then, on the other hand, you say, Hey, dude, you seen that trailer for Shazam? You want to go see that movie? Yeah, when that comes out, it looks awesome! You know, it's a lot easier to get people to rally around the blockbuster films. Now, 
the problem is the Academy seems to have kind of buckled under the weight of that pressure because I don't know if you guys have noticed, the Academy's ratings for like TV and that and viewership and that such, they have plummeted over the last few years. Like really, really badly. Yes, but I wanna I wanna I wanna start off by talking about that. Because while this most recent one, the the ninetieth, has given us probably has given us the lowest turnout in the modern era of the Oscars. Every year prior to that, I know everyone's saying that it's going down, but it always goes down and goes back up. 2007, we had 31 million versus 2016's 33 million. And, like, it just keeps going up and going down. One year we'll have 40 million people watching the Oscars, and another year we'll have 35 million. Like, it just it keeps going up and down just because this past year was a bad year and it was a very bad year ratings wise that doesn't mean that everything is doomed well, it's my understanding that the academy as a whole isn't so much upset about the up and down wave it's that they haven't been able to accomplish that peak viewership and I could be wrong about this, but I believe it was Return of the King was their last big hip-hip hooray. We did it. We got the ratings we want in your face, football. Well, and, and of course, that's because it was a block, it was a blockbuster film. <laughs> yes, <why>. absolutely. <laughs> so I think it all comes back to the one it's... ring, and they're tempted by that. It's very meta. They're tempted by that one <laughs> ring and just to take it. It's, it's, it's take it. Yeah, you, know? you didn't know this, but Frodo and Gollum are the heads of the Academy right now. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I believe it. and But the difference between that year, between 2003 and where we are now, and this is going to be a common theme in my opinion, is that 2003 was the last year we had a big blockbuster movie that was good enough to win. Exactly. Yeah, I don't disagree. No, and I, I agree with that. I think that's one... That's one of the things I well okay you know what? Let, let's let's say that for a second let's start with actually reading the letter that got passed around where this decision was made so um, I'm looking at an article on Deadline right now this is the letter they sent out to the members of the Academy to talk about the uh, you know the new changes being made to the Oscars and I believe now they said to be fair that the changes would be made for next year's Oscars not this upcoming one but the year after but we all know the reason why these changes were made and we'll get at that but okay so. <clears throat> I will put on my best snooty Academy of Member voice to read this. <laughs> Dear member, last night, the Board of Governors met to elect a new Board of Officers and discuss and approve significant changes to the Oscar telecast. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to just switch to my normal voice now. The Board of Governors, staff, Academy of Members, and various working groups spent the last several months discussing improvements to the show. Tonight, the Board approved three key changes. And now these are the three major changes that are going to affect the entire broadcast. One, a three-hour Oscar telecast. We are committed to producing an entertaining show in three hours, delivering a more acceptable, oh no, sorry, accessible Oscars for the viewers worldwide. To honor all 24 categories, we will present select categories live in the Dolby Theater during commercial breaks, categories to be determined. The winning moments will then be edited and aired in the broadcast. Now, just keep in mind the wording there. It says, to honor all 24 categories, which they've already been doing, they're going to show them, but not show all of them. So, okay. Now, two, a new category. We will create a new category for its outstanding achievement in popular film. Eligibility requirements and other key details will be forthcoming. Three, 
early air date for uh for 90 second oscars the date of the 90 second oscars will move to sunday the 9th 2020 from the previously announced 20 uh, uh february 23rd okay so that last one doesn't make a big deal and there's a bunch of you know stuff after that it's just like i thought thank you for listening thank you for being part of our great academy blah, blah 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 anyways okay so let's go through these three points and talk about some issues with that so this first one obviously the air date for the oscars uh february 9th instead of february 23rd no one cares about that it's okay sure you're moving a few uh, weeks early oh sorry you have something to say about I, that go ahead I, go ahead <laughs> i i i'm gonna be i'm just gonna be a very negative force on this podcast i'm sorry but... <laughs> no go ahead man this is fun <laughs> yeah as someone as someone who truly does love this ceremony and as someone who cares so much about a being able to know as much as possible before walking in and also being able to play like prediction games with people and do all that don't get me wrong. If I was in a situation where I was an if I was like in California and had the opportunity to see like the foreign language films or the short films as they were coming out, then yeah, this is fine. I wouldn't need the extra month to be sure that I watched everything. But not all the Academy voters live in California or New York and especially not all the film fans that love this ceremony. And it's a problem I think that regular people are going to have less of a chance to see everything being talked about, but it's a huge problem that people like the Academy voters will have to decide whether, oh, should I watch this Best Picture nominee or should I watch this Foreign Language nominee because I don't have as much time as I had last year. I have three, I have three less weeks to be able to watch the movies that I thought I was, that I, that I thought I was going to have. So looks like I'm going to have to just kind of guess on the shorts or the foreign language films or something else. I did not see it that way. So, wow, that's a that's an interesting angle I didn't think about. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, actually, that's a very good point. So, good, good on you, Davey. <laughs> um, Thank you. Uh, Brad, do you think that's a, got merit to it as well? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely something I didn't think about either since I try and see every distinguished uh, pipe you know, pipe-puffing film <laughs> as soon as it comes out on iTunes. I live in a, a very small Canadian community, and my independent theater generally won't play the um, more intimate uh, thought-thinky pieces of uh, entertainment. So I have to either endure the way to iTunes which has actually been excellent this film season. We already have First Reformed available to download. I thought that wasn't going to be available till Gosh dang you. Uh, late December. <laughs> so iTunes is jumping on the opportunity to give people like me a chance to give me the give my money to them. So good on them. Um, uh, secondly, I would worry about an early February date because doesn't the doesn't the Super Bowl usually play early February? That might be a bit of a roadblock if they're looking for big ratings. I, I would push it out later in the month if I was them as well. You know, I think if I recall, it's either end of January or beginning of February. Uh, sorry, we're not inside the locker. That's a different podcast for sports on this on this website. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, that's a good question. I'm sure either it's to get out of the way of Super Bowl or maybe. Thinking about it, they might use that as an opportunity to advertise the Oscars during the Super Bowl and say, "Hey, it's coming out this next week after the Super Bowl." Or something oh, like that, yeah, to, to get a wider audience. Very good. Point, are they yeah. good? 
are they gonna Cloverfield paradox the Oscars? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the giant Cloverfield Oscar a uh, monster pops up with an Oscar in hand, just like yeah. next week. <laughs> <laughs> That would be great. Um, so yeah, okay. That those are both some. Great, yeah, you both had some very good points on that, and I think I could see some merit to the argument because I know for me too. Usually, most of the places I live, they don't get those foreign films until like March sometimes, you know. And maybe that'll give them some time yeah. to boost up, you know. With, hey, this is the Oscar-winning foreign language film. But yeah, sometimes I like to. I actually like to watch the movies before the Oscars ha- happen. So. Mm-hmm. That does give maybe a less of a window, especially for voters. Yeah, like if, unless they get screeners, which hopefully they should, and you guys better watch those screeners, dang you. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a weird decision. Now the second weird decision here, uh, I mean the th- you know all of them are weird, but um, the three-hour telecast. Now I get it. This has been a universal complaint of all Oscar ceremonies. They are too gosh dang long. I totally agree with that I said that just as much as anybody else had. I don't mind, personally, just because I'm a sucker and I like these things. But I do agree. It's like, yeah, there's all these skits, all these musical numbers, all these other things that just make the ceremony so freaking laborious at times. But then the stuff that I don't want them to cut is the stuff that they're actually giving out awards for. You know? Because, okay, the reason why they're doing this is because they're modeling after the Tony Awards. Because the Tony Awards do the same thing, where a bunch of the smaller categories, like lighting, set design, costume design, that such... They usually relegate them to side, you know, little montages where it's like, oh, yeah, hey, this this play also won this thing or this play also won this thing. And I get that for the interest of time. But you have to think that the people who win those categories must feel pretty gypped if they're not getting their spotlight for winning something. Because, you know, they, they already do so much work behind the scene. And then it's like, oh, the one chance I get to actually, like, make myself known and say thank you and this kind of stuff. Uh, now they're going to cut it out. So... I'm just so conflicted about this. Uh, Davey, tell me something. Tell me something I also don't know about this. What do you think about this? So the last time that an Oscar telecast had gone under three hours was in 1972. Ever ever since then, the Oscar telecast has always been over three hours. The shortest it has been this century is three hours and 14 minutes, which happened twice. The Oscars, I know that they're too long, but... Do you, but like you were saying, the thing that they're going to cut is not going to be Hugh Jackman and, and Anne Hathaway doing an obnoxious musical number. They're going to cut the short film awards. They're going to cut, they're, they're going to cut sound design, sound editings. They might even go farther into stuff like cinematography. Like, the fact is, is that the Oscars still are under the impression, and they're probably right, but they're still under the impression that the most important thing is not to celebrate movies, but to entertain people and then celebrate movies as a second hand. They're not going to cut the reason that this thing exists. They're going to keep all the cringy, corny, haha, that's kind of <laughs> funny stuff that everyone is just looking at their watches during. At least people like us are looking at their watches during, saying, is Roger Deakins going to win for Blade Runner? I want to know. <laughs> well, that, that's actually very upsetting to hear to have Roger Deakins win and then see this old stuffy guy like, we finally gave it to him, shut it down, pull the category, doesn't matter. That's that's a bummer if that happens. Sound mixing and sound editing, I want that to stay as well. But it would help me in my own personal Oscar poll because my wife always somehow picks the perfect 
She's like 100% every year on what's going to win sound mixing and sound editing, and I'm not, so maybe that, that could be good for me in the long run, <laughs> as you were saying, Jason. Well, uh, I may need to challenge your wife, because I'm usually pretty good at predicting myself, so uh, uh, the, gl- the gauntlet has been thrown against her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a bummer, and again, I get it, I know, you have to cut something, but there should be the most obvious thing to cut down is, yeah, like you said, the filler. Like, okay, best song, maybe you can do a ceremony thing where you can, like, condense them into montages. Like, I remember one year they did that, and I think it was 2008, where they had a a combined performance of all three songs that were nominated that year into one segment. That way they didn't have to fill it out with a whole bunch of filler stuff. Unfortunately, they did a bunch of other dumb filler things that made it super long. But, (laughs) like, that Council of Krypton thing they did with all the the previous winners came out to announce the nominees, which was odd yeah but um yeah it's just it just seems like a dumb idea and, and and again i get it you know the average audience member doesn't care who roger dinkins is they don't care who ether vanderin is they don't care who joe letary is all these technicians sound mixers all that kind of stuff but they care they care if they're being recognized for their stuff and this is probably gonna be the biggest moment for them to be recognized by their peers outside of their own independent guilds and you know being recognized on a national spotlight yeah and this is the one day a year where everyone, or at least most people, at least that I know, sit down and care about the thing that I care about. Yeah. And you know what? I would like it, I would like it to be a little comprehensive. I want, I love the moment when someone that has no interest in movies comes up to me and is like, hey Dave, you watch movies, right? And I say yes, and they say, what does a sound editor do? (laughs) Like, that's an amazing moment. Like, or like, what's the difference between a sound editor and a sound mixer? And then I Google it, and then I tell them. <laughs> like, you don't know that off your hand, but you're just like, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, no. No one knows. Um, I actually uh, like to give the obvious answer, but act like I'm knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Well, we did give the definition on a previous podcast, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you see, gentlemen, a sound editor, what he'll do is take the sound from the movie, and this is important now, and edit it. While the sound mixer, of course, will take the sound from the movie, and this is important, don't forget, mix it. Any other questions? Uh, And I love the blank stares I get like, what? (laughs) Yeah, why why did I pass it over to you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. Yeah, okay. So technically, it is sound editor is post-production sound, and mixer is the people catching sound on stage. There you go. Anyway. Well, uh, well, yeah, but still, it's very important. Yeah, it's, 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 having a friend who is a sound mixer, they they would tell you. No, there is a very d- big distinction between editing and mixing on set. So, anyway, all well, that well seeing what wins. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I'm just seeing what wins though has always made it sensible to me. Oh yeah, like well, um, you, you think about some of the past winners. Like um, when you see the winners, it makes sense. Well, like like, like let's mm-hmm. say one year. Um. There was the year that Hacksaw Ridge won for Best Sound Mixing, while Arrival won for Best Sound Editing that year. I mean, I think that's a pretty good distinction. Where it's like, yeah, you know, the stuff that they did in post-production to create sound for Arrival is very different than the on-set, you know, explosions, gunshots, and that stuff they did for uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, um, okay, we've talked about that a lot. Now, for the big one. The one that has set the internet ablaze, and even people like Rob Lowe are saying... Well, Hollywood had a good run, <laughs> which was really funny. <laughs> they announced the new Oscar they're considering, which will be for a recognition in popular film. 
So we are literally turning the Oscars into the MTV Movie Awards for most popular film. Or, like, sorry, best popular film. But then, how do you quantify best? Because they, they've been very cagey about this. It's like, oh, we're going to tell you more details later. But everyone and their mother is just thinking, okay, one, how do you measure what's a best popular movie? Two, why can't the popular movies compete in the same category? I mean, which they do anyways, normally. But it's like, why do we need to suddenly now go, oh, well, we need to make a, a, a crutch, a caveat for them. And then three... Why not create the obvious awards that are easy to recognize these films for, like Best Stunt Coordination, the thing that everyone's been asking for for years. That's an easy fix to try and get people to watch the Oscars and say, oh, this film I really like got nominated for a really cool award. I don't know. It's, it's, it just feels so... And I get it. I get it. People complain all the time every year, why doesn't Blink Film that I like that nobody else in the art community likes get recognized for an Oscar? You know, why doesn't Mission Impossible get up for Oscar consideration? Why doesn't Guardians of the Galaxy get up for Best Picture consideration? And I get I, I have an answer for this. Oh, no, I have an answer for this, too. But I have... I, I just, I'm just saying, okay. like, I get the <laughs> argument. It's just, you know, it's, and I would say this. Someone put up a tweet, and I forget who. It was on a uh, article on IndieWire, which you know, IndieWire. Thank you. You actually had, did something useful today. Um, they they posted a tweet. They said, if you look at the top ten movies that the, the highest box office grocers of all time adjusted for inflation, every single one of them is an Oscar winner of some capacity, either for Best Picture or other technical prizes. And they didn't need any special recognition to do that. Jaws, multiple Oscar winner and a huge box office phenomenon. Gone with the Wind. You know, obviously, yeah, it's an old film, but that was a blockbuster in the day, and that one best picture. You know, there are all these films that get recognized, and they don't need special treatment because they're really good movies on top of being blockbusters. Davey, take it away. I'm done. <laughs> do you know why Guardians of the Galaxy, or, hey, this year, do you know why Avengers Infinity War is not going to be nominated for best picture? Why? Because it's not about them. It's not about those kind of movies. It's not about what can make the most people happy. A movie that is going to be that popular is never going to be a specific singular or inherent vision. A movie that is going to be that popular has to appeal to the widest, most e evasive demographic possible. Avengers Infinity War is a wonderful example of a movie that appeals to the most amount of people humanly possible. The Shape of Water is a movie that appeals to very few people. That's what the Oscars are about. That's what Best Picture is about. That's what this whole ceremony is about, is saying, we're not going to talk about the movies that are for everyone. You people that really care about this art form and love it like nothing else, these are the movies that are made for you, for people that look at this stuff critically and honestly. If we add stuff in there, don't get me wrong, I like Mission Impossible Fallout a lot. I think it's a wonderful film. But if Mission Impossible Fallout takes home a the second to last Oscar of the night, because I'm sure that's where they're going to put this. <laughs> that tampers everything. You tell people, hey, you should go see The Shape of Water. You should go see Moonlight. It won Best Picture. This is amazing. And then they hold up Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they're like, well, this won Best Popular Film, so what's the difference? <laughs> like, it, it throws away the merit of the words Best Picture. And I know it's a subjective category, and I know a lot of people disagree with their decisions, but, okay, I have my Shape of Water Blu-ray right in front of me, and on the front it says Academy Award winner Best Picture. Do you think I can get any regular, 
not to sound condescending, but any person that doesn't devote a lot of their time studying film, do you think I can get any of them to watch this movie without flashing that gold bar at them and saying, this movie won Best Picture, you should watch it? It is a little harder. Now, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you, though, because that exclusivity thing is why they thought that creating this category was a good idea. Now, obviously, yes, you, you know, a blockbuster doesn't need Academy va validation to be considered great, like to be a success. You know, Mission Impossible Fallout, the millions and millions of dollars it's going to rest on in its bed this night is probably going to be this reward. You know, that movie is banking worldwide. Avengers Infinity War. That is one of the top four highest-grossing movies of all time. It doesn't need a Best Picture Oscar. Now, having said that, though, I feel Best Picture is less about the films that recognizing, like, like it is about recognizing the art, but it's also saying art is subjective, but also broad. Like, you don't need to say, oh, it's only for the indie films. Because when you think about the films recently in the last few decades that won Best Picture, you know, think Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings has all the ingredients of being a great blockbuster, crowd-pleasing film and a really good piece of motion picture cinema. You know, it's really well shot. It's very well edited. It's got great directing. It's got great writing, great drama. And all that manages to translate into a movie that's that raked in a billion dollars worldwide. So it's possible to have the crossover. And, yeah, and I agree with that. Yeah, it's possible to have the crossover. It's just the problem is, my argument, make better blockbusters. You know, if you really want a film that's a blockbuster film to be worthy of Best Picture make it a best picture worthy candidate, you know, give it the dialogue that it needs, give it the art skills it needs, you know, just because it's broadly appealing doesn't make it a work of art. And just because it's a work of art doesn't mean it's going to be broadly appealing. You need to find that right overlap. It's hard. It's a very hard line to balance, but it is possible to do it. We've seen it done many, many times. I mean, Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump is a great, you know, I know it's debatable. Pulp Fiction should have won that year. Personally, me, I think that movie is a great, uh, you know, balancing act between art films and commercial films. It manages to do everything that crowds love with lots of humor, lots of pathos, lots of big, flashy special effects. But it's also very arty. It's very nuanced. It's very complex. It manages to get all the right it – it takes all the right boxes. Well, the situation there is what studio heads are going to read a blockbuster script – and insist mm, this this here this could use more nuance. This could use no more poignancy. Uh, could we get Captain America looking at? Um, oh, I forget her name. Number thirteen. Was she, was she called number thirteen? Am I crazy? Why do I think that? Anyways, is, is she a kids next door? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for, forget her. Could we get? Could we get um, Chris Evans to look longingly at Bucky just for three seconds? And think there's something more there, but then turn away because he's from a time that not only would condemn such a thought, but would literally destroy his entire base ideals because he was raised in a time where that's absolutely ludicrous. Can we get that look? Of course, they're going to say, no, no, we can't get that look because Captain America is a manly man. And the only looks you're getting are him being badass while throwing his shield. Sorry for cussing. I mean, the blockbusters aren't made that okay, way. Okay, well, I, I will say that a, a topic a topic does not consider, yeah, a topic does not make for a Best Picture candidate because, I mean, you know, you, know, you can have your gay yes. cinema and that stuff, but, you know, it's, Hell or High Water has none of that stuff and that movie's a Best Picture candidate that totally deserved it, you know? Yeah, and also, and also let it be said, just because Moonlight won doesn't mean that, like, gay cinema immediately gets a pass because, let's remember, Crash beat Brokeback Mountain, so. Which was horror, yeah. That... Yeah. 
I have lots of thoughts on Crash. We don't have to get into that, of course. I guess what I'm saying is I think I think studio heads are trying to push what sells. And I don't think a studio head is going to push – and that was just a random example pulled out of nowhere. Sure. Can sure. we have Cap suffer PTSD in this scene just for like 10 seconds? No one's going to say that. But that is an issue that would actually touch and move people and be like, whoa, this, this is art. This is uh, – this actually means something. Now, Captain America, I know, catching the Infinity Gauntlet and pushing Thanos away like, I'm so strong and cool, America. That was a great scene. I'm not trying to mock that at all. And, you know, Thanos kind of smirking a bit. That's cool. But cool, you know, it's like you were saying, kind of commonplace. I mean, and not artistic, but that's what tent poles are pushing. How do we fill seats? How do we create the cool? I mean, unfortunately, they even marketed that scene, if I'm not mistaken. That was in every trailer and spoiled in every form of marketing this film. I just don't think blockbusters are made to move and inspire people on purpose, is what I, yeah, the word here. They're not made to do that on purpose. It's usually either an accident or the actor, like Robert Downey Jr. with his left hand in Iron Man showing uh, extreme duress, he'll usually hold his arm since the first Iron Man. That's Robert Downey Jr.'s choice that he's personally putting into it. It's not made that way on purpose. It's all by happenstance, which is great. But I, I just don't see blockbusters shooting for the artistic integrity star here. So I, I, I don't quite get what the purpose of this uh, award is other than we got to bring in those young kids. We got to bring in the action film lovers. We got to bring in the spectacle viewers to get those ratings. And maybe that's fine too. I'm okay with an award going to the biggest spectacle, but they need to present it as such. Maybe I'm not sure. What do you guys think? I I agree with with what you're saying, and I think my biggest issue with this is that, like you were saying, Captain America, like holding Thanos' hand like that's really cool but that doesn't strive for anything more that um like Mm -hmm. those beautiful moments in these blockbusters aren't happening because people aren't demanding it they're not asking for anything more and all of these other like most of these big oscar movies they're even if they fail even if they completely fall on their face they're trying to demand something more out of the art form and i feel like the Oscars was the last place where that was really recognized and celebrated. And we'll say, Hey, movies that demand something more, will give you your one day in the sun. And now that's being taken away. It's kind of being eclipsed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's the weird thing too, is like, you know, on the one hand, like I get it. They, they need the boost. They need the recognition. They want to feel relevant. And you know, it's part of the whole changing of the guard. They've been trying to do with the Oscars for quite a while now, like trying to get more, Diverse voters, more of these kind of people. But this is something that I've kind of doomsayed a bit on uh, previous episodes of On the Prize, just that sometimes you get these younger audiences who don't care much about the big films. They, you know, It's like, oh, well, I don't want to see the arty films. I want to see the popular films win. I want to see these films that I've actually gone to the theater and watched. Because, you know, historically, Oscar voters don't always watch screeners, which sucks. That's, that's really stupid. Why would you vote for a movie if you've not actually seen all the movies? But, you know, it, it's just... 
there's just so many thoughts I have on this with that. And even just the fact that it's kind of demeaning, you know, to say like, you know, the, the big common example people have been putting for this is, oh, well, this is to get Black Panther an Oscar because they don't feel like it would have a chance to win any other categories otherwise. Which, okay, look, I have said before, I think Black Panther is a very fun movie. I think it's very well done. Is it my favorite, you know, like a Best Picture candidate? I don't think so personally. But it should have every, you know, chance to try. It should have every chance to try and compete for that category. And even if not there, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong if it's competing for, like, say, costume design. The costumes are great in Black Panther. Or makeup. The makeup's really good in Black Panther. You know, those are all prestigious prizes. But to give it a constellation, say, you know, it's like the creation of the animated film category. We've kind of just accepted it now, but that's really all they did was just say, well, we don't consider animation films to be as good as other films, so we're just going to give them their own category, and they don't have to bother us and our Best Picture candidates, which then they kind of... Because it basically means Best Kids Movie. Exactly. Well, I mean, and not always. They, they, they do, like, one of the things I like about this foreign, I mean, Best Animated Film is that they put a lot of foreign candidates in there, which might change because they're changing the voting rules to open up more, you know, other people in other categories to nominate films, and I'm really scared about that. But, you know, it's just the idea, like, you know, we see then three animated films have been nominated for Best Picture, and just about all of them were completely deserving. You know, Up, Toy Story 3, and Beauty and the Beast. And it's not because they're animated films, it's not because of their popular films, they're legitimately great movies that stood the test of time, and they were deserving of being a Best Picture candidate. You know? It, it, so it's just yeah. saying, well, you're good, but you're not good enough to be an R thing. And then even then, so you're kind of demeaning the value of Best Picture by saying, Oh, well, if you're a Best Picture winner, you're not a popular film. So, <laughs> it's just... It, it seems like the Academy is shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. They're, they're not thinking this through. Yeah, because like you were saying, Justin, about how they're trying to diversify, and I, I, you called it the changing of the guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and, I, and I like that example a lot, because they're trying to expand it beyond old white dudes to people of color to women to any minorities that like really need a say in the film community because it's very heavily run by white dudes. But here's the thing. People that don't care are not a protected class. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, yeah, you want to do it for the people who wouldn't watch the Oscars in the first place, but I don't feel like that means they're going to watch the entire ceremony for this one award you've added to it. You know, like you're not going to sit there like, oh, well, they put a popular film category. I better sit down and watch all the cinematography awards and as such, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, no one's, yeah, no one, no one is going to care. The people that the Oscars used to pander to are upset about it. And the people that the Oscars are now pandering to won't care. Yeah. No, because literally I've only heard like maybe two people who have praised the decision like, oh yeah, it's very progressive. It's new. It's different. You guys just are afraid of change. But literally every, you know, again, I say literally because Rob Lowe was one of the people commenting, but literally everybody <laughs> in, the, in the community in film are against this decision. They think it's dumb. Even freaking Elijah Wood commented on it just like, oof, you know, just like, like my film was able to get in without any of this recognition. And now we have to make a special, you know, best popular <laughs> film candidate. Oof. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just baffled. Like if, if they were hoping to get a PR boost from this, they failed spectacularly. And I don't know. Yeah, I think we all agree there. Look, I'm not going to throw away the Oscars just because of this, but I, I just question the merit of this, and I hope, I hope they reconsider because, you know, again, like I said, there are other categories you could add to the Oscars that would boost people's attention. You know, Uh, like I said, stunt coordination, voiceover performance. You know, some of these other categories that are just as you know impactful and important as the other technical categories, and yet they still are 
you know, measurable. You can't measure popularity with film, but you can measure, hey, this movie's stunt coordination was amazing. You know, I mean, the only downside would be that Tom Cruise would win every year, but still. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So any last thoughts on this before we kind of start winding down on the main topic? Well, yeah, just saying again, I mean, I don't think, hey, highest ratings award that everybody likes. The ideal, I think, sounds pretty good, but, you know, it's like I grew up eating Domino's my whole life, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is to your point, Ed, when you said before. So I'm eating Domino's my whole life. Oh, it's great. Oh, you can reverse the crust now. Mm, Intuitive. Amazing. And then I met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, who was just a friend at the time. And she took me home to meet uh, her mother. And her mother made a homemade pizza. I took a bite of that homemade pizza and had to hold back tears because it was the most amazing thing I have ever had. And I looked at the mom and I was, it was like, yeah, it was like something out of the movie. Like, how how did you do this? How did you make this? She was like, it's just freshly chopped ingredients and baked in the oven there, dude. Relax. But it was incredible. And I feel like that's what's happening with this spectator award or big ratings award is they're they're trying to make french fries from mcdonald's seem like a great achievement and uh, you know i don't hate french fries from mcdonald's but they're not you know it's it's these people who who have made their whole lives about making this amazing pizza this homemade pizza that are creating the art that should be honored at these oscar awards and with the black panther argument I wouldn't be objective at all if that made Best Picture because personally, the scenes in which T'Challa and Killmonger confront their fathers through that ceremony, that had me in tears, man. Those were amazing scenes. And if they're in it just to be nominated for those scenes alone and not the kind of sloppy fight at the end, (laughs) I'd be perfectly fine with that because those scenes moved me. And with, with respect to everyone listening i know you probably have a film that's your favorite that never gets any recognition uh you have the power to give it recognition in the age we live in write a blog you know uh convince someone that knows how to run a podcast you should be on it to talk about it you know that you have the power to make sure the films you love are recognized in their own way and and that's that's a beautiful thing too so uh, closing, I got mixed emotions about it, but I really hope they definitely clean up what they're really trying to say with this award here. Yeah, exactly. You. And, you know, I pulled up an article even here, too, and uh, this guy, uh, this person on the Daily News made a point of saying, like, hey, oh, or the New York Daily News, you know what other films were also not popular movies but have stood the test of time some of the most important films ever made? Oh, well, you know, like Citizen Kane, It's a Wonderful Life, Wizard of Oz, some of the films that people consider best of all time, they were not box office hits. They were not, you know, popular movies, yeah. but they are the movies that we remember, you know? But uh, Davey, what do you think uh, for final thoughts? And I, and I want to say, like, how much of that recognition came from some person on, I guess, like, looking through Wikipedia or looking through a dictionary being like, oh, what movie was nominated for Best Picture in 1941? Citizen Kane, what the hell is that movie? I should watch it. And they watch it and they go, oh my lord, this is a game changer in movie making. Like, that's how this kind of stuff gets started. And that's how these kind of movies get appreciated later on down the line is because they're on this list of, well, somebody loved it. 
Some people loved it enough to think that it was eligible for an award that lists the best of a year of hundreds of movies. Like, this, there's got to be something here worth watching. And my final point is this. My favorite movie of all time is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. I think it's a perfect film. I love it so much. I've seen it over 40 times, and I think it's a masterpiece. Do I think that movie should have any Oscars under its belt? No. I don't. Because it's not... the. It's It doesn't have... This is going to sound so elitist. It doesn't have that special quality that makes you go, yeah, that's that's the kind of movie that more than one or two people will treasure as a monument of the year. Mm. The Shape of Water is a monument of 2017. Moonlight is a monument of 2016 in culture. We leave our footprints in culture with the stuff that we herald as the best. And is it fair that we've given the Oscars this much power? Maybe not, but for the current state we have, and if we dilute our cultural touchstone, that is a problem. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like I said, you know, it's just it's. It, I'm not against blockbuster films getting Oscar recognition for that stuff because I mean I do think Scott Pilgrim's a great movie, and I agree. Maybe against the movies that are up for Best Picture that year, mostly I would say no. But yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, you just seem that as your favorite movie. You know, you say that you're the movie you would watch yeah. over and over and over again. It's not the movie you said that was the absolutely the film that made me think the hardest that year was the best picture I ever saw that you know changed art forever. And also, once again, that movie was a box office bomb. That would not win the best popular film, the most popular film award, even if that category existed. <laughs> so I'm just screwed either way. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's a good point. That's a good point, and I, I totally agree. So yeah, you know, obviously, I, I know if you guys have listened this long to the podcast, thank you by the way, listening to our incredibly nerdy rant onto this. But I think this is important. It's, it's important because again. You know, the more that we dilute Hollywood with more and more blockbusters and commercialism, I, you know, maybe this is just me conspiracy theory. I feel like it's really going to implode badly on Hollywood at some point when you get these $100 million blockbusters that all bomb or do, or perform poorly. But, you know, maybe that's necessary. And even then, you know, it's so hard. I get it. Oscars are not the end all. They are not the end all be all. But I care, dang it. I care if these films get nominated because they're great movies. You know, Arrival is a Best Picture candidate. That deserved it. Hell or High Water, great movie. You yeah, know, yeah. La La Land. These are great films that are not just fun to watch or even good to watch. They're, they're art pieces. They're, they're masterworks. They're, love, they're, they're work of love. They're not just made to make a profit. They're made to make a point. They're made, they're made to make art and, entertain, you know, and something that you don't see in other films. So that's just me. Uh, but I guess to end on a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a higher note than that, I just want to hear, uh, from you guys, since you are new and we did have our little preview episode that we did previously, uh, for Eye on the Prize, which thank you, Shaq, for being on that one too. Uh, what are some Oscar films this year that you are really looking forward to? Uh, Brad, why don't we start with you? Like, do you have any, like, big, like, award season contenders that you really want to see? Well, I really want to see Blind Spotting. Everyone that I listened to through either podcasting, uh, the slash film, uh, one of us earlier today. And yeah, even, even on Twitter, they're just blowing up about blind spotting. I don't know much of anything about it other than the, the praise. Cause I try to stay away from spoilers. I haven't seen a trailer, but that's just exploding. It's catching like wildfire. And it's one of those, uh, Oscar contenders 
that surprises people, I think, because I never heard of it until this month, and suddenly everyone's like, whoa! I mean, <laughs> just four weeks ago, everyone's like, shine up Ethan Hawke's Oscar, because he's taking it for... Oh, dang it, I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> the movie First that you Reformed? Were pra- First Reformed, is it? The is movie you were First praising Reformed? a whole bunch for, like, oh, he got it on iTunes, he got it before all you guys. <laughs> yeah, ho, 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 ho. But yeah, the, the award season is cruel that way. Was it? I think Crazy Heart crushed a lot of hope for a lot of Oscar contenders when Jeff Bridges gave that performance in December. So you never know at the award season in these late entries. But I'm always excited about the. That's part of the fun. That's part. That's part of the fun of it. Is seeing who. It was a great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, I want to see Black Klansman. So I like Spike Lee. I hope his joints get just as good. Any other films you wanted to see, or? And um, there was something. No, no, I'm gonna end with there. Yeah, blind spotting. I want to see blind spotting. Put all the money okay. on blind spotting. I'm even saying that right. Dang it. <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah, Davey, let's hear it. You you seem to have a really renowned history of uh, best pictures. I'm looking forward to your opinion here. What do What do you got? What, what What's gonna win? Well, I will say, blind spotting is my favorite movie of the year. Um, all right, yeah. I've seen it twice, and I think it's brilliant. Um, and for my money, if it doesn't win Best Original Screenplay, that is going to be a crime. Um, I would also put it up for Best Picture, but that's just me. Um, the two movies... Or I'll, I'll do three movies that I'm really looking forward to for Oscar season. Um, and that's Widows. Yes. The Steve McQueen movie, which I'm so excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, First Man, because I'm a sucker for space movies. Mm-hmm. And a movie that is coming to Toronto... And if I go, I'll be able to see it, hopefully. Um, and it might not even come out this year, but it is a movie that I've been looking forward to for so long, Xavier Delon's The Death and Life of John F. Donovan. Yo, that one, it sounds like it's been in just development forever. It's, uh, do, you th- do you think it'll actually make it this year? Like, it'll actually come out? Yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is confirmed to be, re- to be premiering at Toronto this year. Ooh. And I am so excited for it because uh, Delon shot this movie with like this huge cast and then he looked at it and said uh, I don't like Jessica Chastain was like the third main character I think and he said her character is not working and so he had to cut the entire movie remove that character and rework everything she reshoot oh, wow. a lot and Good I Jessica Chastain yeah what Delon is my favorite filmmaker is my favorite young filmmaker working right now I think the man has incredible talent incredible potential and i've loved every single movie that he has made and seeing him jump from french language film to english language film with this if he sticks this landing i i assume that it will end up probably not in the oscar conversation but it'll probably end up in the florida project slot of movie that should have been in the oscar conversation a lot more well, and that being said, I mean, Will- Willem Dafoe got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, so maybe I might get some, like, smaller love, if not the big category stuff, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's fair, and I do hope so, but I just, I remember all the love of Florida Project coming out after the nominations were released, and I was like, why were you guys hyping this movie up, like, a week ago? So that's kind of what I assume <laughs> will happen to Death in Life, but I am, I hope to be proven wrong, because I am foaming at the mouth to see that movie. 
Yeah. No, that's the Game of Thrones of Oscars. You know, some weeks you're on top, and some weeks then, you know, someone else will come out with a film ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> the, the great kingdom of Clint Eastwood will come out with a film that'll dethrone the previous contenders like he did with Million Dollar Baby, where it's like, all right, everything's um, going out. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's not doing that this year. If y'all saw 1517 to Paris, you would know that. Yeah. Well, he didn't have actors. It's not his fault. <laughs> Why does he think people who don't act can act? I mean, he's uh, able—he's been able to make people who don't act act before, just not these guys. They, they really? did, that, that was the wrong decision. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, that movie is horrendous. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a doomed project from the get-go. But uh, yeah, I think that's the most of it. I mean, I already said my ones I'm really looking forward to, and uh, I'm hoping to actually see a lot more lately. I mean, there's been a few of those like indie darlings, like Eighth Grade, coming out lately that I have to see. But also, I will be moving to Illinois soon, so I will be a little busy this next week. So, hey, uh, Davey, we're going to be neighbors. Woo! I'm very excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening who are listening for this special and slightly longer than I expected talk about this whole little <laughs> situation developing with the Oscars. I, I just pray that the Oscars maybe take this criticism into consideration just like, Maybe we should rework it, what we consider to be blockbuster films. Or you know what? Maybe the voters just vote for a blockbuster that really deserves it. You know, it's like if you feel a blockbuster film really deserves to be a Best Picture candidate, put your money where your mouth is. You know, put it on the ballots. So, I, I don't know. That's just me. So, uh, thank you all for coming. Uh, let's see. Davey, is there anywhere that they can find you on the internet if people want to get in contact with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Davey Peppers, and you can also find my show the intern.cast show on this very website that i host with fellow intern tj bozarth and every now and again other wonderful people join including justin who has joined on a few episodes indeed i i still need to record another one with you guys it's been way too long and i i am very behind on Netflix. it really has yeah no really is it's okay they're all terrible (laughs) well hey you know maybe there'll be something on hulu or a tv show that you can add there i don't know we'll see but um yeah then then, uh brad where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you uh i do have a twitter i believe my handle is bradley of martin i rarely tweet anything i just like to know what my film critic uh my favorite film critics are up to um i'm a father and a husband, so I don't have any projects on the side. <laughs> I appreciate the inquiry. I uh, love that podcast, by the way, Davey. It actually inspires me to watch the bad stuff on Netflix so I can hear you guys talk about it and kind of have context for it. So really appreciate you suffering for us. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're very welcome. And, yeah, that's just me. If you want to send me a tweet or whatever, Bradley of Martin, I won't respond. But there it is. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Well, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find me on The Breakfast Pub. I, I mostly write the notes, but I sometimes host the show. Uh, you can find me on The Screener Squad, which, you know, everyone at oneofus.net, if you're listening to this, if you are uh, interested in being a podcaster and want to join in on one of these, um, first of all, I will apologize ahead of time if you get a movie like Jurassic Dead or whatever. I will try not to, but I, I make no promises. Um, but yeah, you're welcome to always uh, hop on in and we'll get some, you know, drop me a line. We'll talk about it. But otherwise, yeah, you can find me there, and then you can find me here on Eye on the Prize, uh, which we are wrapping up because, hey, Oscar season is starting in earnest within the next month. That's when all the, you know, TIFF, Telluride, all the big major festivals are coming out, and I cannot wait. It's going to be a fun year. I can't wait to see what really hits the market because, really, 
we've had some stuff, a little bit more than the last year or so, but it's still really hard to say what's going to be the big hit this year. So, but yeah, uh, thank you all for listening, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Later.